This is really special for me to get to be here uh, for a number of reasons. Um, it's pretty surreal because about nine months ago, I moved to Louisiana and I was swinging uh, on a porch swing or under the tree swing at uh, Aunt Kathy and Uncle Jeff's house. And they were like, so what do you want to do? You know, like career wise, like what's the, what's the game plan? Because they knew I was moving down here. And um, I moved down here because I took a job to lay tile. And uh, that isn't something that I like dreamt of when I was five, you know? <laughs> so I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. Um, but I did have different big dreams at different times. And um, I trusted Christ at a young age. And I, I remember it was a conversation with my dad um, in my room. And he walked me through Romans uh, 3.23 and 6.23. Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. And so because of our sin, we now have separation from us and a holy God. And he explained to me that um, by faith, through faith, by grace, we are saved because of what Jesus did for us. Not because of our own works, but Jesus died on the cross and paid for all our sins. And uh, so I trusted Christ at a young age, and that was real. Um, but there were a lot of seasons between then and now where I, I didn't know what his plan for my life was. And I was really searching for more. Like I just, I wanted my life to be impactful and mean something. And I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. Um, and then my sophomore year in college, I experienced a, a really deep desire and um, external confirmation from leaders and people in my life that I, I'm called to ministry. And that was super exciting. I ended up transferring, going to Dallas Baptist University and graduating with a degree in biblical studies. And uh, I was like really fired up at that time. And I was really maybe like a little bit prideful because I, oh, like I have a degree in biblical studies. And, and then I went into a discipleship program with Pine Cove called The Forge. And it was an intensive discipleship program. And in the summers, I was working as a camp counselor and I was getting to preach to a lot of kids and share the gospel. And I was getting to do a little mentorship with some college students uh, that were younger than me. And man, I was really fired up. And then all of a sudden, like when I came, when I emerged out of this program in 2019, <clears throat> excuse me, there was sort of this drop off where like, I kind of, it was like I was in a river and it let out into open water. And it was just like, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to look like, you know? Um, I applied for some cool ministry positions that I figured my resume would get me the job and I had the skills for them and I didn't get them. I, I was humbled. Like I applied for like a youth pastor position, a men's director position. Oh, what's up, Matt? How's it going? <laughs> uh, a youth pastor position um, at my home church and a men's director position for the summer camp. And I wasn't getting to any of them, and I was, like, starting to get really upset. Like, I was getting kind of depressed because I was like, man, I had all these cool visions for, like, my purpose and my calling. And I really wanted to have, like, an impactful life, and it it's just not looking that way, you know? And uh, I took a series of jobs that were not fun. And, <laughs> like, 
I, I worked in a couple different warehouses. I worked in, in an Amazon warehouse for a while. I operated a forklift for a while. And then I got this opportunity to come to Louisiana and learn a trade, you know, learn flooring, which is a valuable skill. And um, I was blessed with that opportunity. And it was like this apprenticeship. So I came down here. I moved in with Aunt Kathy and Uncle Jeff, <clears throat> which was awesome. And they are really gifted at hospitality. Um, it's cool because, you know, you have your relatives and, you know, so I, I'm from Texas. So every year we would come visit our relatives and, uh, you know, you see them like once a year and you kind of know them, but like they're, they're your family. So it's just kind of an implied like intimacy there, you know, <clears throat> but then you live with them and you really see, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me take another swig here. <clears throat> you really see what they're like. And I've been blown away. Like, you guys are a really good example. And I've directly been impacted by um, God using you to love me really well. And, um, you know, I, I was humbled in a number of ways. One, by not getting what I wanted right away by not having the direction that I desired. I was also humbled by, um, you know, it, it requires a certain level of humility to receive blessings from other people, you know? And it's, it's re really technically layered because when you bless someone, you get blessed. And so I was humbled in that I had to learn how to receive and receive help and uh, they just did such a great job with that. And now I'm living with Jessica and LaVon for this last month. <laughs> and they're also really good at hospitality. Really good. <laughs> so, all right. So I, I, I want to hurry up and get to the word, but I'll just quickly say about this program I'm doing. I got accepted super late against the odds. And um, it cost $15,000 that I've had to fundraise. And in two weeks, God has already provided $10,000 of the 15000 Yeah. Yeah, so it's an awesome program. It's super legit. They're going to train me for cultural assimilation. They're going to teach me how to learn multiple languages fast and how to uh, learn languages that are languages of unreached people groups because that's ultimately where I'm going will be to an unreached people group. Uh, which is a very dangerous uh, line of work. Less than 1% of missionaries um, are going to those remote places where they don't have the gospel, they don't have a believer in their midst, they don't have the Bible, and they've never heard the name Jesus. And uh, there's a huge need and demand out there, and uh, very few people are going. So I feel honored and fortunate that I get to be one of those people and uh, if you have any more questions about that, or if you want to join my prayer team or my financial support team, I can get you on the newsletter list. I'll be updating all my supporters regularly, and you can find me after the service, and uh, I'll get your info. All right, so we're going to be in Second uh, Timothy today. You'll turn your Bibles, in your Bibles. And uh, this is a really cool letter that Paul wrote to Timothy uh, a younger guy he was mentoring, and to the church of Ephesus. Now, 
This is like a pretty heavy letter because we now know that this is Paul's last letter that he wrote in his church planning journey. And uh, we also know that he was martyred shortly after this letter. He, uh, Emperor Nero had his head cut off for the gospel. And uh, so this is a book about suffering, um, which is kind of cool how this all lined up. Um, and Jordan, thank you for sharing. I don't know where Jordan went, but thank you for sharing. And uh, it's, I can see some, uh, some like synchronicity happening today, so it's pretty cool. Um, so we're going to be in 2 Timothy, and uh, we're going to start chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so uh, I want to stop there for a second. So Paul's writing to Timothy from jail. So Paul is in a dark, wet jail cell writing on these parchments. And uh, he's encouraging young Timothy to fan the flame. And this is an interesting concept, you know, because I'm sure everyone has a different uh, maybe theological foundation and basis for, you know, maybe where you first heard about Jesus or maybe your parents shared it with you. But um, Timothy had some godly relatives that were older than him, some ladies that um, were really strong in their faith. And then they shared the gospel with him. And then Paul came and laid hands and prayed on him. And he talks here about fanning into a flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of hands. And this is pretty cool. So I researched it deeper, and uh, he's talking about the grace of God on Timothy specifically for his gifting for ministry. And every believer has a spiritual gift. Every one of you here and myself, we all have a spiritual gift. And I don't know if you've looked into that, if you know what yours is, um, but you have a greater purpose than you may realize. And God's given us all a gift to build up the body of Christ and uh, to make Jesus known. So uh, we're going to flip over real quick to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. And uh, we're not, we're not going to stay here long. I just want to uh, isolate this point real quick. I still hear some pages flipping, so I'll wait a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. <clears throat> but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So it's just pretty cool that, like, if you're a believer... Here we go again. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with that. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift that's given to you by God for a greater purpose. And that's just really cool and exciting. And so uh, we're going to carry on in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus 
before the ages began. So that's pretty remarkable to hear the term before the ages began because a lot of times we will subconsciously assume human attributes on God, you know, because we're limited creatures uh, in a physical body. We have an eternal element, which is our soul, but we also have this temporary body that we're in for a short time. And he's saying before the ages began, you were given a purpose by God. And that's a powerful statement because God is outside of time. He created time. So, and he's all-powerful and all-knowing. So he created the ages, and before the ages, he was working on us. And uh, there's a really cool uh, verse in Psalms, in, uh, which is basically like if we got David's diary, that this is one of David's prayers to God. And this is uh, Psalm 139, um, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 13. Psalm 139, verse 13. And I think, yeah, we have it up on the screen too, so. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Man, so I came across this verse like a couple months ago when before I knew I was going to do this and when I was still searching. And uh, to know that my days are written out in a book that God has, before any of them are formed, my days are written out. He hasn't planned. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the last one. That's the last one. <clears throat> Before any of them came into being, he wrote out all my days in a book. That's so encouraging to know that God knows your destiny. He knows what city you're going to live in. He knows who you're going to marry or not marry. He knows how many kids you're going to have or not have. He knows exactly what your career is going to be. And so our prayer should be, okay, God, direct me in your path. Show me where you want me to go and what you want me to do. Show me what you want to do with my life, with my time, and with my relationships, and with my money, and with my efforts. What do you want me to do with my life? Because we're here for a short time. We're not here very long. And whether you're young or old, you know, I'm only 25, but I can already tell you that life is short. I can already look back and think back to my earliest memory of playing with my best friend, Hunter. We had these Batman action figures, and, like, the legs were kind of chewed up by his dog, Brownie. Okay? I can think back way, way, way early. I was, like, four. I don't even know how I remember that. Okay? And then when I open my eyes, I'm 25, and I'm on a stage in a church right now. And I don't, like... I could have never predicted that I would be here. I don't deserve to be here. I'm I'm very sinful. But God has a purpose for me, and I'm not going to fight against his purpose. So I'm submitting to his purpose for my life. So, all right, so we're going to jump back to 2 Timothy. Okay, so Paul gives three really cool images right here 
three metaphors for the Christian life. And uh, he only spends one sentence on each one. They're like super pungent and just like, he just hammers through them real quick. And that's what I'm going to do. So he says, a good soldier of Christ. That's the heading of chapter two. And in verse three, he says, share in suffering. Have you guys noticed the theme yet of suffering? This is the second time he said share in suffering. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So here's all this means. He wants us to be concerned with the approval of the one who enlisted us. And once you become a believer, you're a soldier of God. And so your concern should not be with the approval of other humans. Your approval, your concern should be for the approval of God because he's who enlisted you and is entrusting us with this good deposit of the gospel. He's the general. He's the commander. So that's all that means. And it, that's, that's pretty deep. So um, moving on, he says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the first one addresses who we're working for, and the second one addresses how we're working. We need to work according to the rules, which we have right here. Okay? And then the, the third one is a farmer. So he says, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Okay, so this, this one is about rewards. He's saying, work hard because you'll be rewarded. It matters. You'll be rewarded. And a lot of people are scared of the concept of rewards because it can affect your motive. And people, sometimes people think that seeking a reward is not good. But we're actually designed as humans to be reward-oriented. And the Bible talks a lot about rewards. And God promises that those who work hard will be rewarded, okay? And this doesn't mean that we're saved by works or anything like that. I said earlier, we're saved by faith through grace because of what Jesus did for us. But he, do, he does have a reward system built in for us, which is just a cool treat that we, we get to be motivated by rewards too. Like, that's awesome, okay? All right, so we're going to move forward. And we are going to chapter 2, verse 20. All right, so this is another metaphor. Paul's just the king of metaphors, just metaphors for days today. Um, and he's talking about vessels. And he's using uh, vessels in a house as a metaphor for humans because we are vessels. We're vessels of the Holy Spirit, okay? So back in the day, they didn't have faucets and plumbing. Eventually, they got plumbing, but... They used pots a lot of the time. They would have, a, you know, a fruit jar or a fruit pot, okay, made of clay, and they would go to the bathroom in pots. They, they had just pots and jars all around, okay, and they used them for all sorts of stuff. So this is what he says. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
So here's why I like this verse. I like when verses combine something that I really want with something practical. And he, it's like specific but still kind of vague, you know, because he just says, cleanse themselves from what is dishonorable. But I want to be a vessel for honorable use. Okay, I, I, I don't know about each of you, but I really want to be a vessel for honorable use. I want to have a cool, epic purpose, and I want God to use me in this short life, and I want him to work through me if he's willing. And, uh, man, this verse directly says that if you want to be a vessel for honorable use, cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, and you will be ready for every good work. Ready for every good work. And the next one ends with almost the exact same sentence, equipped for every good work. And that one is in chapter 3, verse 16. Okay? And it's interesting because just after he says, cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, he starts talking about what to fill yourself with. So we have cleanse, cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable if you want to be ready for every good work. And then if you want to be equipped for every good work, you want to fill yourself with something. You want to fill yourself with Scripture. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we need to be training in righteousness by the authority of scripture. That's where we get our wisdom from God from. This is his word. This is the most powerful thing he's given us other than the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, that the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. All right. So I'm going to close out here. Um, this last verse I'm going to go over is in chapter 4, verse 6. And uh, this is like a pretty heavy verse, but it's pretty cool as well. So this is, this is Paul's, basically this is Paul's goodbye, his permanent goodbye. Or I should say his temporary goodbye, since we'll see him again in heaven. But this is like a pretty epic uh, thing that Paul says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And you know, it's interesting that he says to all who have loved his appearing because the people who are going to be excited about Jesus coming back and the people who are going to love his appearing are the people that are going hard for the gospel, are the people that know whose side they're on and they're using their life to further the kingdom of heaven to be obedient to the Lord, to be used by him for his purposes and his glory. And so it's just really cool that he ends that way. And uh, I want to do a quick illustration that um, I saw when I was in the eighth grade. Uh, I was at a student leadership conference that my school had, mandatory. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, this speaker came up, and he was talking about martyrs. Like, his whole message was about martyrdom and it was like it would get you really fired up and it did get me really fired up and uh 
ultimately that message planted seeds in me that, um, that continued to work on my heart for many, many years long after that, you know, which is one of the reasons I love speaking because not because I'm good at it, it takes practice, but I, I'll get there one day, you know, but I was directly impacted by someone's words. And uh, now I'm going overseas. Like, I might get martyred. Which I know that's like a scary thing to say, or maybe a scary thing to hear. But a lot of people that go to unreached people groups get martyred. Like, I don't know if you guys have read about um, missionary biographies or seen the movie End of the Spear, but this happens for real. There's a reason less than 1% of missionaries are going to do this. And God put it on this guy's heart to talk about martyrs and talk about people getting killed for the gospel and, and their unwavering spirit of like, I'm going to die when God wants me to die and I'm, every breath is going to be for the gospel until that point. And it, it moved me. And so, anyways, James uh, chapter 4, verse 13, 13 through 14, and... Uh, if you forget everything else I said today, I hope that you remember this, uh, because this is about perspective and focus and understanding life. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And uh, I brought this, uh, well, this is my deodorant is what this is. And uh, it doesn't matter what kind of deodorant it is, so I, that's not important. I'm, I'm going to spray this, and I just want you guys to feast your eyes on this visual image of what that verse just talked about of a mist that is there for a moment and then vanishes. Uh, because this, this image is really seared into my mind, and uh, it's pretty cool. Try to, try to pick one out. Try to pick one out and follow it as long as you can. It's not there long. It's not there long, you know? So please bow your heads. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this out. Dear God, I thank you uh, for everything you've blessed me with. I thank you. Uh, just for your grace and mercy, I thank you for uh, dying on the cross for my sins, Jesus. And I thank you um, just for everything you've blessed me with. Lord, I pray, that, um, I pray that you would just speak to the hearts of everyone here and um, continue to show them um, what you have for their lives, whatever that is, Lord. I pray that they would uh, be the best versions of themselves they can be. I pray that same thing for me. I pray I'd be the best version of myself I can be. And I pray that you'd use us for your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.